What's up, Caustic Soda Topic? Why the long face? I'm Joe Fulgham. If you think Caustic Soda is awesome, tap your hoof once. I'm Kevin Leeson. Wild horses couldn't drag me away from this episode. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is... Caustic Soda! Yes. As in hung laika? Equines. Uh-huh. Word origin for horse. Old English horse from pre-Germanic hursa. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Old Norse hross. Yeah. Old Frisian horse. Middle Dutch ors. Dutch ros. Old High German hrof. <laughs> German rus. Uh-huh. All of unknown origin, connected by some with pre-Indo-European-based curse. Source of Latin currer to run. Later replaced by Old English yo from pre-Indo-European equo, which is the root for like hippo, as in hippodrome. Right. The Latin equus, Old Irish. So there's almost like two totally divergent paths on which original words, right, words originated for horse. And what uh, about what about the evolution of the horse? What about the evolution of the horse? Well, all I can tell you is that the horses we got now, the biggest they come. Okay. All the horses from history, they, they started out very small right. and got bigger and bigger and bigger. So there was no giant dinosaur horse no, back in the No, there was no dire horse. Damn it. Like there was with wolves and rhinos and whatever else. Yeah, well, they've got uh, uh, the only true wild horse left on the planet mm-hmm. is a horse called Shavalski's horse, although it's spelt Przewalski's horse. Przewalski? Yeah, there's a there's a silent PR at the beginning of it, which it I find very distracting. It must be Polish or something. Yeah, it, it, Polish or Russian, something like that. Uh, it was a uh, So it guy. lives in Poland? No, it lives in Mongolia, oh. of all places. <laughs> to have a uh, horse named after a Russian explorer slash scientist. Oh, I see. Who kind of, I think, pioneered the whole idea that this was the last living wild horse. Is this also known as the Tarpan? Yeah, the um, historical but obsolete names include the true tarpan oh, or okay. the Mongolian tarpan. Oh, okay. Does that mean I can call a Mongolian grill a true grill? Uh, a truly Mongolian grill, especially if they cook horse on it. Yum, yum, yum. Mm-hmm. I've had horse. However, yeah. it was not cooked. Oh. I have had horse sashimi. Oh, nice. That's cool. It was kind of like unbeef. I had... Unbeef? Yeah. I, well, the way I like to describe it is when you have buffalo, like if yeah. anybody's had a buffalo burger or something, buffalo tastes like kind of super beef, like it's it's extra beefy. Yeah. Horse felt the opposite of that. It, it tasted like less beefy beef, like it had uh, less of that beefy uh. flavor, but was still the same kind of texture. And stuff. I had a horse tataki, like a okay. thinly shaved horse, with like covered, drizzled with like a vinegar style thing. Oh, okay. And then that's how it was served. I was bitten by a horse fly. Oh, that is going to hurt. Did you become a werehorse fly? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm a werehorse. So, um, unlike other quote-unquote wild horses, like American Mustangs or Australian Brumbies, Shavalski's mm-hmm. horse uh, is not just a feral horse that descended from domesticated animals uh, that escaped and adapted to life in the wild. Shavalski's right. horse has never been successfully domesticated and remains a truly wild animal even today. Okay. And in fact, recent mitochondrial DNA analysis suggests that Shavalski's horse and the modern domestic horse diverged 160,000 years ago. Wow. 
Wow, so it's a pretty ancient breed of horse. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, the population was down to 31 horses as of 1945. And uh, all of the horses that we know today are descended from nine of them who bred. Nine? And as of 2011, there was an estimated population of over 300. Hey, I was, I'm surprised you could get a viable genetic pool from nine individuals. Well, they had 31 horses and only nine of them actually successfully bred. So uh, they had a kind of a pool that they pulled from. All right. Yeah. But now they're down, but now they're up to like 300. So they're, they're, they're recovering it. But oh. as of 1945, they were down to uh, just but a handful. I see. So uh, I thought that was really interesting that there are no wild horses left. Except, yeah, except for these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, and look what happens to animals when we don't have a use for them. They just die out. We're like, yeah, we'll take these and breed them to be bigger and easier to ride and yeah. <laughs> more pliable. You guys get to live and make more of your babies. And these other ones, we don't care if you live or die yeah, until we yeah. reach you know, this point where we go, oh, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, there's 30 left. We'd better save them, I guess. Well, we, I mean, here's the thing. When you get uh, to a horse that cannot be domesticated, it just simply will not allow you to ride it or use it in any way, shape, or form. I thought why, they were made for us to ride. Why though? should we care? They right? are, but we're really crappy at making things that do things like that when they're biological. I guess the difference is we probably started killing it to like eat it for food or whatnot, and yep. that's what probably drove it to the edge of distinction. Uh, distinction? The edge of extinction. I wish I was at the edge of distinction. <laughs> you are definitely not distinctified in any way. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, you know, horses through history. Sure. One of my favorite horse-related methods of execution. Oh. Has anybody ever heard of the term quartering? I've heard drawn yes. and quartered. Drawn and quartered. Yeah. Well, drawn and quartered is a little bit different. Oh. Drawn and quartered is when you put somebody up on a rack and you pull all their entrails out. That's the drawing. Oh. And then after they've died from those injuries, it's a long and excruciating and painful way to go. They chop your body in four bits, but they kind of just lay you out on a giant cutting board and hack you up with an axe, right? Okay. So that's drawn and quartering. The... the method of execution that i'm calling talking about is just quartering okay and all they do is they tie your four limbs to a horse all pointing in four different directions four horses four horses right simultaneously pulling yeah they you chain the condemns arms and legs uh to the horses a rope attached to each of the limbs of the criminal they are first made to give short jerks and when the agony had elicited heart-rending cries from the unfortunate men uh -huh. who felt their limbs being dislocated without being broken <laughs> yes the four horses were all of a sudden urged on with the whip in different directions and thus all the limbs were strained at a single moment if the tendons and ligaments still resisted the combined efforts of the four horses the executioner assisted by making several cuts oh, with a hatchet no. on each joint oh no <laughs> So we, I have a wood cutting that we'll put on the website, oh, causticsodapodcast.com, that shows a... Uh, oh, you couldn't get a photograph? <laughs> <laughs> These methods of execution were used on a couple of famous cases, Francois Ravaillac in 1610 and Robert Francois Damien in 1757. What did they do? Well, this was one of the punishments for high treason. Okay. This was uh, one of the methods that they so used. So they, they slept with the queen then, in other words. Or, you know, <laughs> plotted against a king or a prince or whatever, right? Uh, but this is probably the most gruesome method of execution that I have yet to encounter. No. Yeah, like, that you just get pulled apart until you die. 
Like you don't get your head chopped off. You don't, you actually until you like die, like get and, pulled into four pieces and exsanguinate. That's what kills you. Yeah, like you get pulled into four pieces, all your bits would be off, but you still probably wouldn't quite be dead yet. You'd yeah, just be lying there, armless and legless, and not I'd just probably. cut, not nice, clean arm cut off, leg cut off, <laughs> yeah. which would still be horrible. Yeah, but like torn off. Yeah, you're literally uh, ripped to pieces. Do you think I have special horses for this uh, corner? I don't like, know. I think you could go These are the four quartering horses that we have. <laughs> well, the horses are Ooh. like, they're all looking away, so you don't have to like get them used to the idea of it. You just go, go that direction. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit, I'm pulling on something. Yeah, you could just use a draft horse. Yeah. I mean, they don't know any yeah. better. You stick yeah, a collar yeah. on, you let them go, right? <laughs> They'll just, they, they will do what comes to them naturally. <laughs> These days, we could create a quartering machine of some type yeah. with yeah. winches in four corners. Of course, of course, yeah. levers and whatnot. If I was getting quarter, I'd just yell, Whoa! 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 I got I got some sugar cubes. I got an apple for you. Carrots for everyone. How about uh, a historical event that may not necessarily have happened historically? Uh, uh, a legendary, a legendary. Yeah. Okay. The How about tour? I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, the Trojan horse. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, those out there who don't know the story, although it'd be very. This is a horse made out of condoms. <laughs> It's wrapped in condoms, so it's waterproof, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the the Greeks were sieging Troy, and it went on for 10 years, and they were all getting sick and tired of it. So they built this giant fake horse and stuck like a half an army inside of it. And then the rest of the people sailed off saying, we're going home, everybody. Yeah. See you later, Troy. You win. Here's a free big horse. And they left one guy behind by the name of Sinon. Sinon. Mm-hmm. Sign off. Sign on, sign off, you're a traitor. Uh, he was left behind to make a sacrifice to Athena. When questioning Sinon, the Trojan priest Laocon guesses the plot and warns the Trojan in Virgil's famous line, Timeo Danaos e Donaferentes, which translates to, I fear Greeks, even those bearing gifts, mm. which has been uh, retranslated into the beware of Greeks bearing gifts kind of <laughs> common saying that we all know today. Uh, but uh, his warning went unheeded because uh, Poseidon sent two sea serpents to strangle both him and his two sons I to keep them quiet. I believe that that did not happen. Yeah, right. I was just going to say, now I'm thinking maybe this might not be completely the truth. One of the historian's theories about the story of the Trojan horse is perhaps that the Trojan horse was, in fact, a battering ram resembling a horse. Oh. Uh, and the description of the use of the device was then transformed into a myth by later oral historians who were not present in the battle and were unaware of the exact meaning of the use of that name. So I think like that the... It's like a big game of telephone. There was a battering yeah. ram that looked like a horse. Yeah, over I, the course of like 600 a, years. Yeah, Or maybe maybe the, while they were building the battering ram, a couple of the workers accidentally got sealed inside. <laughs> They're like, let me out, let me out. But then okay. they, hey, that's a good idea. Oh, they battered the door down yeah. and then it cracked open and the soldiers poured out and they're like, oh, oh that kind of worked better than we intended. <laughs> I like the story of the Trojan horse. I, I actually like the movie Troy. Mm-hmm. Right? There was a Trojan like horse in that? Parts of it. Yeah, of course, it all ends with the Trojan horse. Oh, does it? So the story, they get inside and they burn Troy to the ground and they sack and pillage and kill everybody. Oh, right Spoilers on. from <laughs> thousands of years ago. <laughs> yeah. That is that is the most unnecessary spoiler alert we've ever I, uttered on the course just, of the show. Uh, from the uh, from the same sort of era, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of uh, maybe a thousand, five hundred thousand years later. What did you say? Five five hundred thousand years later? Five hundred to a thousand years oh, okay. later. This story is in fact not in myth and religion. This one uh, actually happened. Caligula, 
one Caligula, of the Caligula, 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 Caligula. What about the horse of Caligula? Cala? <laughs> His favorite horse was named Incitatus or Incitatus. Do we know, know what that means? How to pronounce it or or what it means? I don't know. Does anybody? Because insight is a word with a C, and so yeah, it like could be insight in, at us. In <laughs> it insights at us. It could be. It could. If you know, let us know on causticsetpodcast.com. Yeah, we're free. sorry if we're wrong. Uh, it was his favorite horse. He had a stable of marble with an ivory manger, purple mm. blankets, and a collar covered in precious stones. Fancy. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that a horse would actually like any of those things, though. Can you imagine, like, being in an ivory manger in a stable made of marble? Like, it would not be comfortable. You want, you're like, oh, God, can I just have dirt and hay? He, yeah, he would have to have <laughs> horseshoes made of, like, a grippy rubber so <laughs> yeah. that he could stand on marble. And yet Caligula probably made them of gold or something. And he's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Horses is always slipping around, but, man, he looks good. Dio Cassius has written indicating that the horse was attended to by many servants and was fed oats mixed with gold flake. Again, yum, yum. again, not something that a horse himself would probably request. Oh, but that's the way this shit is all. He can mine for gold in his poo. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you it's Get the, the hands out, everyone. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how the horse, that's how the stable hands got rich. Uh, it's probably not too far from the truth. I guess if I was like this dirt poor slave, it's probably what I'd be doing. I'm going to buy my freedom out of this horrible job with all the gold flake I'm going to re- rake in. Suetonius wrote that Caligula planned to make Incitatus a consul. Hmm. Uh, and that the horse would invite, quote-unquote, dignitaries to dine with him in his house, outfitted with servants designed to entertain just such events. All of the invited people were named. <laughs> well, I, I figured it's probably a written invitation. Okay. It says here, I've got an invitation. Oh, who's it from? Insight is this? Isn't that Caligula's horse? <laughs> yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think I can say no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly Caligula's what it is. horse, I yeah. better go to the horse's... Ivory chamber. He, say, he signs all his letters with just this hoose, ho, <laughs> horse hoof, hoof print. Like a hoof print. Well, that's lucky. So, you know, I should go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they, they probably sitting there, Caligula, like with daggers coming out of his eyes. If anybody's not nice to his horse or whatever, they're going to be executed or tortured in some gruesome fashion. That would be the worst dinner party ever. Well, you'd bring a bottle of apple wine. <laughs> some licorice. A bowl full of sugar cubes. Uh, someone has suggested that Caligula's treatment of Incitatus was actually an elaborate prank mm-hmm. intended yeah. to ridicule and provoke the Senate rather than a true sign of insanity. Oh, okay. Or perhaps even uh, that it was satirical with the implication that even a horse could perform a senator's duties. Oh, yeah. So that he was either belittling or uh, making fun of the senators, which doesn't really make it that much better. Like... You know, he's still really taunting the rulers of the day, the Senate, right? The people that he's supposed to work hand in hand with to actually govern the empire. A little bit later in history, there was a uh, guy named Cortez. You may have heard of him. He was a conquistador. Yes, of course. Who ravaged Mesoamerica, uh, you know, raping and pillaging and stealing and killing and gold, all the rest of that stuff. Gold, all the precious gold. Whole lot of Converting precious gold. Converting and or slaughtering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was, uh, he, he was on a mission to go kill some, uh, some, some uh, conquistadors who'd actually, you know, broken away from them oh. and like declared their own state that he was going to quell the rebellion. That sounds like an interesting movie. Uh, but in, on the way, one of his horses became lame. So he left it with a local tribe. Sure. 
Uh, who he, did the, he love this horse? It was a good horse friend of his. I don't think he really cared for it because he left it behind. Uh, what what the interesting part is is two hundred years later, a couple Franciscan monks showed up in the exact same village who now worshipped that horse as a god. And that horse was still alive. <laughs> no, in fact, the horse didn't live for very long at all. In the, the care, the horse had found the fountain of youth. <laughs> Uh, no, in fact, the horse died within days slash weeks of being left behind because the Itza didn't know how to properly care for a horse, so they fed it meat. <laughs> uh, yeah, they kind of treated it like a god, as I understand. Yeah, they, they fed it uh, fowl, other meats, and flowers, a diet on which the horse promptly died. But they were so terrified that they had accidentally killed a god that they made a stone idol of the horse, which they worshipped to prove they were not responsible for its death. Right. And when the Franciscan monks showed up in 1618, <laughs> almost 200 years later, they're like, uh, what the shit? <laughs> they were so outraged at this, like, false idol that they smashed it to pieces. Oh, oh Cortez. You know, they're they trying to cover it up. They killed your horse and then they smashed the idol. This yeah. was all a conspiracy. The horse was alive, actually was a god, had <laughs> faked his own death, had discovered the fountain of youth, had right. become super intelligent because of said fountain. Yeah. Became friends with the Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> yeah. That was a snake that discovered it and grew wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was something very popular in the 19th century Tell called more. horse diving. Horse diving? Yeah, I've seen some Do they uh, have to get a special diving board for a horse? Yeah, it was yeah. it was less of a diving board, more of a ramp that they would just tip up and the horse would kind of slide off of it oh, into the water. That seems... <laughs> The horses were not meant for diving. No, I think that you, from the photos that you see, the horses were obviously trying to, like, not slide off into the water. And right. they just kind of, like, fell. Now, and these were, they, were there jockeys? Yes, there were oh people my. people riding them. Okay, all right, we've, I've got the, uh, the... I would not want to land anywhere with a horse. Oh, and some of them uh, had uh, problems with that as well. Oh, dear. But, uh, the diving horse was an attraction very popular in the mid-1880s in which a horse would dive into a pool of water from, from as high as 60 feet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the catalyst behind all, William Doc Carver invented the idea of horse diving exhibitions. Allegedly, in 1881, Doc Carver was crossing a bridge over the Platte River in Nebraska when the bridge itself partially collapsed. <laughs> He said, this is again, again. <laughs> <laughs> His horse fell slash dived into the water below, inspiring Carver to develop the diving horse act. Wow. And that's how his horse became afraid of bridges. <laughs> that, that particular horse? Yes. Would never cross a bridge again for the rest of his yeah. life. Uh, the show became a permanent fixture at Atlantic City's very popular venue, Steel Pier. His longtime partner, Al Floyd Carver, which is probably his brother or another relative cousin or something, they, uh, they kept the show going on after Doc Carver died, and they hired a jockey, a rider named Sonora Webster in 1924 to continue on with the show. In 1931, seven years after she started, uh, Sonora and her horse, Red Lips, uh -huh. lost their balance on the platform. Yep. Sonora survived the fall. Wait, but Sonora was the horse or the lady? The lady. Okay. Red, Red Lips was the horse. Red, okay. <laughs> that would be a funny name that for lady. That was kind of a dumb question. Yeah. Uh, Sonora survived the fall, but was blinded due to both retinas being detached. Oh. Detached yeah. retinas in both eyes, and she continued. But that can happen whether or not you're diving with a horse. What, what <laughs> I heard was she hit the water with her eyes open. 
and detach both her retinas. Goggles. From 60 feet. Yeah. This yeah. is the best part of the story. Okay. She continued to horse dive while completely blind. Sure, why not? What yeah. have you got to lose at that point? Well, seeing as how it's not really a diving board, it's just a ramp that they tip up and yeah. you slide off of it. Yeah, what, what do you need to what see? What skills do you even have to have? <laughs> yeah. you sit on Especially a horse. falling into water while you're on a horse. Yeah. It's, it's about having the guts to be on a horse 60 feet up yeah. on a ramp that's about to give way into water. Yeah, so we're, we're, there's some pretty choice images that uh, we can show. Uh, we'll put on the, uh, obviously we'll put on the website, and uh, you can all go check out these probably terrified horses. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was all called to an end eventually when animal rights activists kind of went, this is cruel and unusual punishment for these f- fabulous creatures. I love this one photo where because of the... Uh the viewing stand in the back, it looks like the horse is about to plummet into the viewing stand because <laughs> oh, of the yeah, angle. Nice. But the the crazy part about this photo is there were thousands of people watching yeah, these yeah, horses yeah, 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 fall yeah. off these platforms. This is the time before TV. <laughs> like, there is nothing to go look at. He's doing this or reading. Interesting. <laughs> you read a book and you imagine crazy things. Yeah. Or you go watch a horse. <laughs> Fall into water from a very high... You'll be like, you know, I've never actually seen a horse yeah. fall from 60 feet into water. That this would could be, be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> that would be worth three pennies. I think I'll pay three pennies and go on the viewing uh-huh. stand and watch this. Yeah, and you'll I see it and so. you'll be like, look, I haven't seen anything like this before you tell all your friends. I uh, Look, I, I know that in the future we're going to have a show called Star Trek and it's going to be about a spaceship going to space <laughs> and we'll have special effects that show really cool and interesting stories that mean something. Uh-huh. But for right now, for three cents, this was the greatest thing that I have ever seen. And that's why the past sucked. <laughs> Horse diving. Why the past sucked. Yeah. In that vein, Joe, there yeah. was another horse-related act that was world-famous that traveled around. You the know, horse's name was Clever Hans. I know this one, yep. He was an Orlov trotter horse sure that was, was claimed to have been able to perform arithmetic and other intellectual tasks. Uh, after a formal investigation in 1907, psychologist Oscar Funkst demonstrated that the horse was not actually performing these mental tasks, but was instead watching the reaction of his human observers. Right. Uh, the trainer was entirely unaware that he was providing these uh, nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in honor of Funk's study, the anomalous artifact has since been referred to as the Clever Hans effect, and has continued to be important knowledge in the observer expectancy effect and later studies in, of animal cognition. Well, it, the horse could do more than count. Hans was owned by Wilhelm von Austin, who was a gymnasium mathematics teacher, an amateur horse trainer, a phrenologist, and something of a mystic. When you say gymnasium math, no, a gymnasium mathematics teacher. Oh, I think a gymnasium is like um, a secondary school. It's like the higher grades in oh, some European countries. Okay. A gymnasium is a type of school providing advanced secondary education yeah. in some parts of Europe. Okay. So, yeah, so he was a high school math teacher. I did not know that either until just now. An it's amateur- not the place where I got... Uh, <laughs> Pantsed. <laughs> I was going to go the other way and with the underwear pulling up. Wedgie. Uh, Wedgie, yeah. By uh, jocks. <clears throat> Hans was said to have been taught to add, subtract, multiply, divide, work with fractions. That's all math. Tell time. Oh. Keep track of the calendar, mm. months, uh, months and days of the year. Differentiate musical tones. Read, spell, and understand the German language. Yeah. <laughs> so what would they, they, they would ask him simple questions. And he, he truly was a he, clever Hans. Yeah, he would respond by tapping his hoof. Okay. Right? Yeah. 
So it's like one for yes, two for no, or count out what comes after right. seven. Right. Uh, using a substantial number of trials, Funkst, that's the scientist debunking the clever Hans right. effect, uh, found that the horse could get the answer correct, even if Von Austin himself did not ask it the questions, ruling out the possibility of fraud. However, the horse got the right answer only when the questioner knew what the answer was. Oh, huh. I see. Uh, and the horse could see the questioner. Right. If you ask the question from behind a, a blind, right. the horse had no idea. Uh, he also observed that when Von Austin knew the answers to the questions, Hans got 89% of the answers correct. But when Von Austin did not know the answer to the question, Hans only answered 6% of the time correct. That's a marked difference. That is a marked difference. So the theory is, is that as the horse's taps approached the right answer, the questioner's posture and facial expression would change in ways that were consistent with an increase in tension, right. which was then released when the horse made the final and correct tap, providing the horse a cue <laughs> yes. that he could stop tapping now. Okay. Which is, this is still amazing. No, it is absolutely amazing. That a horse can do this is still incredible and at least understandable. Yeah. Like, you can go, okay. But when you, when you start thinking, can a horse count and add numbers? I go, well... Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's but not, simple uh, math. But can they understand when a human being says, what is five plus four? Yeah. That is way more than just a horse yeah. understanding numbers. Like, he has to understand the language. Oh, and yeah. And he would parsing. say to him, he would say, oh, well, what comes after seven? And then he would tap his hoof eight, eight times. times yeah. And you're like, okay, no, that is a comprehensive knowledge of language. Yeah. Which is a pretty quantum leap forward from what we understand most animals can accomplish. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite part of this whole story, mm-hmm, to wrap mm-hmm. it up, uh, both Von Austin, that's the owner of Clever Hans, and Hans himself were notoriously bad-tempered and prone to rages oh. when the horse did not perform well. Funkst, the scientist, suffered more than one horse bite during the course of his investigation. Oh, horse bites. Horses can be total dicks, yeah. <laughs> Especially unicorns. <laughs> Oh, really? Unicorns are, are legendary for their dickishness? They're more stabby than bitey. <laughs> oh, it, that, the, uh, but that doesn't mean necessarily they're of more ill temper. Well, I just, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I saw the cabin in the woods, and there might be a unicorn in there, and he <laughs> might be ill-tempered. Ah, nice. That's all I'm going to say. Nice. Probably because they're like, oh, yeah, I rule. I'm the top of the horse food chain. Yeah, check me out. I'm magical, and only virgins can ride me. Because <laughs> I have to deal with lions all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, so that's that's uh, that's interesting Cossack Soto horse facts throughout history. Well, I've got something on horse fighting. Okay, so this is people who punch horses in the face, like that dude in uh, Blazing Saddles? I would like it to be a boxing match where the guys are mounted. Oh, that would be awesome, but it'd be hard to get close enough to actually... That's the, that's the key, yeah. <laughs> like, there'd be so much maneuvering and... Okay, all it's right. It's like polo with checking. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. No, uh, horses are herd animals and in natural circumstances will not only engage in battle for leadership of their group, but also for mating purposes. In this environment, stallions, dominant males, do not fight to the death, but until one of them backs down or flees. Okay. Now, horse fighting. So it's like it's an alpha horse thing. Yeah. Horse fighting or horse to horse combat. Mm-hmm. is a spectator sport where these circumstances are simulated in order to make two stallions fight each other. Okay, so you take two stallions, yeah. you put them in a boxing ring, 
Uh, actually, it could be a city stadium or an abandoned playing field or in remote villages uh, in more highly populated areas. They may be conducted at a local racetrack. Okay. Uh, where is this going on? Because uh, I haven't seen an advertisement for a horse fight around Vancouver anytime recently. This is going on. In uh, places like the Philippines, Indonesia, China, and South Korea. It's been banned almost everywhere else in the world. Oh, okay. So Southeast Asia and China yeah. is pretty much where this still goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fighting to the death in this setting is not uncommon. To start the competition, two stallions are brought in. Uh-huh. A mare in heat is then presented to them and removed, just to get the aroma, I guess. Oh, the, okay. The ambiance. Just, uh, uh, just uh. get them all riled up. The horses who do not immediately go into battle for the mare are whipped into a fury or gunshots are fired to incite them through fear. Okay. Oh, oh, this is the most humane of sports I've ever heard of. Oh, it gets better. Oh, nice. As the stallions rise in combat, they bite, kick, and strike each other with their hooves, inflicting serious wounds and injuries until one of them either succumbs, flees, or is killed. The stallion left standing is declared the winner. Uh, aside from the physical pain and wounds incurred by the stallions, the mares are also subjected to animal cruelty as they are injected with hormones to keep them in heat for prolonged periods. Oh, okay. It's so that you can just keep using the same mare over and over and over yeah. as opposed to... We should to... create some kind of uh, aerosol mare in heat scent. Oh, yeah? So they just spray it with you know, a little Lysol thing. Pshht. I'm not 100% sure the people who are putting on these horse fights in abandoned villages are all that interested in the science required to create aerosol horse mare scent. Or have the money for me to turn a decent profit. Yeah, You're right. precisely. Uh, depending on the owner or promoter, horses who are not mortally wounded uh, or suffer superficial wounds may be treated for future fights. These horses, however, are considered weak and their lives spared for more sinister purposes. Oh, horse hamburgers. In their next bout, they will be pitted against a superior opponent who will most likely be and will most likely be maimed or killed. In doing so, promoters ensure that spectators get the blood and gore they demand and expect. Oh, okay. So then they hold a horse that loses. Yeah. Then they get put in there with a ringer. It's like if I went in there with Tyson. Yeah, exactly. And they're just so they can see somebody get absolutely mauled. Uh, yeah, correct. Okay, so I think we might have a potential new audience for Caustic Soda. Whoever needs this blood and gore, they could just listen to our show uh-huh. and there hear about horrible, terrible things and then not have to do this with horses. No, I think this is one of those situations where you put these horse fights on so you can gather a big, huge collection of the worst people on the planet. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you just like set it, it. The horses actually have time bombs like put inside of them. And when they die through the fight, they explode and take all of them with them. Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I'm not totally averse to that idea. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, except they should be people instead of horses. <laughs> they should be people in horse costumes. <laughs> uh, for horses who are not treated for their injuries, they are either shot or slaughtered. It has been reported by visitors that in the remote areas of Asian countries, some of the horses are butchered at horse fighting events and a cookout held afterward for the spectators. You know what? Sure. You know what? This makes total sense. They come pre-tenderized. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we've got some video of this stuff that we'll probably link to on the website. So if you want to go there and check this horrible, horrible stuff out, uh, some of them, some of these videos have like voiceover commentary and kind of give you like a uh, a rundown of the procedure. But uh, yeah, it's pretty horrible to watch. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not a quote unquote animal lover, but yeah, this uh, this watching animals kill each other for sport as opposed to in the wild where they might do it out of necessity or territorial or whatever. 
Uh, I found a video of this um, this newly born foal, and its back legs don't really work. They seem to be paralyzed. And so uh, a competing group stallion comes into the same field and then kills it, right? This footage to me isn't really horrifying. It's, you know, it's a shame, but it's kind of it's natural the natural order of life. things. I think it about, it's about halfway through, probably about the one minute mark where this is where the other group comes into the field. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's biting it on the neck and lifting it up and shaking it around. Oh, yeah, and I think eventually it, it lifts it and actually shakes its neck hard enough to snap its neck, and that's what eventually kills it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, this is just what horses do when you've got a weak member of the herd that right. will keep them, uh, you know, from getting on with life and whatnot. Yeah, I wonder why they wouldn't just abandon it, though, and let the wolves at it or whatever. It well, might even be some kind of horse sympathy. Yeah, not maybe. wanting it to die slowly. And it's like, well, look, he's not going to stand up. We're not going to really get food to him. I'm just going to end it quick for him. Yeah, we're going to put him uh, put him out of his misery. And I like I don't find this nearly as brutal as these like horses in the pens, like bucking each other and like trying to bite each other on the neck. And well, there's a uh, horse racing is supposed to be a less cruel sport than horse fighting. Everybody loves horse racing. Who doesn't love don't horse they? racing? I don't. I don't really care who's faster. <laughs> I have gone to the horse track and bet on horse racing. I have to admit, and oh, had a good time doing it. I don't want to bet on horse racing for the same reason I don't want to do cocaine. Oh, you might be... Uh, you just might be like, oh man, this is stupid, but I'm going to do this a lot. Yeah, because you can actually, at the at the Hastings racetrack here in Vancouver, you can bet as little as $2 on a right. race. Right. And so you can actually do these like really complicated betting scenarios yeah. where you, oh, I'm going to bet that these horses finish first, second, and third, and then depending on like their odds of, of finishing those places, you can bet $2, and it's like, if, they all, if this happens, I'm going to win $300 off of this $200, $2 bet right i've been invited to go to the horse races yeah. by my friends and i have declined uh if it's a really sunny day they actually have outdoor seating with a gazebo and they serve beer and it's like you know it's kind of like a little picnic with horses that run past yeah i don't care about the betting and the racing doesn't interest me that much yeah. i mean if if it was if there was no charge and i was just hanging out with friends i you know it's like being outside that's yeah. fine no there's no charge I don't mind that there would be horses racing and people paying attention but yeah, not a negative, but not any kind of draw for me. I have had fun doing it. Uh, I'm about to tell some horse racing stories. Maybe not so fun. Let's that may change it. your opinion. Oh, maybe. maybe. Be, oh, man. I totally want to know if that one's fast or not. I found this story, the, all these stories uh, listed on TotalProSports.com, uh, listed as the saddest horse racing tragedies. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, there's a, there was a horse named Eight Bells. B-E-L-L-E-S, as oh. in Southern Bells. Mm -hmm. uh, after having placed second in the 2008 Kentucky Derby, the future was bright for this filly. She collapsed during the Churchill Downs with two broken ankles, forcing trainers to euthanize her right there on the track in front of all the observers. Sure. Oh, man. And cart her dead body off of the uh, off of there. That, that probably not nearly as fun uh, an excursion for enthusiasts of the sport similarly a horse named ruffian in 1975 uh her nickname was the queen of the phillies uh, and she was that's a female horse okay uh, and she was running at the belmont who and ruffian was in the lead when she snapped two bones in her right foreleg simultaneously uh however she refused to stop running further damaging her leg until it was reduced to a flopping mess. Uh, emergency surgeons say Ruffian woke up from anesthesia while they were trying to operate and began running in place 
as if the race were still on, causing damage to the operating room and breaking her elbow in the process, and as such, they were forced to put her down. So they got her off the track and were trying to operate to re, right. you know, to yeah. fix the damage, but uh, there was just uh, she would not. And have the it. horse anesthesiologist was also put down. <laughs> yeah, no I kidding. Hope so <laughs> uh, there's a, 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 a two horse story. There was a horse named Marching Song and another one called Phoenix Two. Both these horses died in February of 2011 under bizarre circumstances at the Newbury Racecourse in Britain. Mm. The two horses collapsed to their deaths before the race even started, and a postmortem indicated that they had been electrocuted from a current running under the paddock. Oh. What? Mm-hmm. Shocking. Uh, the trainer, Graham Thorner, thinks that there was foul play involved, although there's been no evidence to support this claim. But the unusual electrocution has left many feeling that something was indeed a fault. Yeah, that's weird. Why is there a... Yeah. Like, because two horses. Yeah. That would have to be a lot of volts so, or amps or whatever. Two volts. And as we know, electricity just likes to... Like, if it's under the paddock, that's the ground. Yeah. So it's kind of grounded. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but... Yeah, the, like electricity tends to just go into the ground and then yeah the, the mechanics of it i'm not sure how it worked but they i mean these two horses were electrocuted and they died as a result yeah. whether that was accidental or on purpose uh, never been determined so uh, you know not yeah. everybody uh not all electrocutions uh happen in the uh the state house and also horses are on hooves are they very mm, but horseshoes are metal right these are all questions I need answered by somebody who knows way more than anybody here. Yeah, yeah. I just it's a bizarre horse death story I, I around the racetrack. I just say I think he's right to be skeptical, but mm-hmm. maybe it was an accident. Uh, yet another two-horse story. Uh, a horse named Dooney's Gate and a horse named Omei. It's O-M-A-I-S. I don't know how to pronounce it. Or maybe Omais or sure. Omeas. Uh, both of these horses perished in April of 2011, two months after the electrocution in- incident. While running the grueling 30 jump course at Aintree. Uh, so this is a horse jumping, not a horse racing okay. uh, right. uh, event. Although it's a race. I mean, it's all timed, but yeah. they have to jump over. But this this course is actually very famous for being very long and grueling. Like there are 30 jumps in the course of the course, right? Uh, critics have claimed that the exhausting nature of this course, many of the horses don't even finish, leaves animals and their riders much more susceptible to injury. And in, in April of 2011, the case was further made. Oh, I think the horse's name actually is Ornays. O-R-N-A-I-S. Yep. Ornays died instantly after failing to clear the 20th jump while approaching the fence in fourth place. And Dooney's Gate later fell at famed Betcher's Brook. And in a macabre twist, its body was simply covered and treated as an additional obstacle to be circumvented. What? <laughs> For the second lap, yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah. What? Yo, who thought that was a good idea? Like, how do you come to that conclusion? It's like, oh, another horse died on the track. Oh Let's get the horse God. off the track so all the other horses can now just leave Let's it. make it harder for the other horses. <laughs> Jump over your dead friend. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, at the very least, at least it was jumping over the body of your dead nemesis, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe. You know, so how did these horses die exactly? Well, one one tried to clear the twentieth jump and didn't make it and died instantly. Like so I'm guessing, broke his neck or I'm had a heart it attack. Probably, or... It probably fell or whatever. Uh, but yeah, this other horse, I have no idea. It might have just died from exhaustion. Who knows? Because it collapsed and died. It's fucked up. 
yeah, so, you know, who knows? Are they still running this course, do you think? I don't know. Well, this was tw- April of 2011. I would think so. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just... Uh, I could not resist a story in which a horse's body was simply covered. And what do you cover with? Do you do it with a horse blanket? Or do you do it with, like, you pull out Flowers, some extra just sod. wreaths. Yeah, you pull out some extra sod and you make, like, a little hillock out of it, oh, right? Oh, God. Oh, Aintree is where the Grand National is run. Right. The Grand National horse race. So, yeah. I suspect it's still going on. Do-da, uh, do-da. <laughs> uh, there's a horse named Farlap. And I think there was even a movie called Farlap about this yeah. horse's story. I think so. Sounds uh, dirty. The popular consensus from a 2000 necropsy is that Farlap was poisoned with a large dose of arsenic. Although the the death hasn't been solved, Farlap had won 37 of his first 51 starts. Mm. So he was in 51 races and won 37 of them. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a pretty high percentage uh, winning. It's like super horse. It's like Superhorse. This suggests to many that frustrated owners would have a, v- a good reason to benefit from sickness or death of Farlap. The combination of the horse's achievements and the suspect's circumstances, what with it be dying from arsenic poisoning, and yeah. where is an... I, I don't know all that many suicidal horses <laughs> myself. Yeah. Wait, Not isn't a- there tiny bits of arsenic, or is it cyanide that's inside of uh, apple core or apple seeds? I think it's arsenic. Yeah. Oh, yep. really? Yeah. Could be an apple of, overdose. Yeah, yeah. An unintentional apple overdose. But that's a pretty famous I case. I think you'd have to eat like a million apples to get arsenic poisoning, though. Uh, and uh, the last one that I have is uh, a horse named Wild-Eyed and Wicked. It's one horse, just has an and in the middle of it. Sure. Name. Yeah, horse names are just always, they pick whatever they want. Yeah, well, exactly. And Wild-Eyed and Wicked in 2003 was one of five show horses at the Double D Ranch. Insert, my favorite ranch. Insert jokes here. Uh, were found to bear marks indicating that they had been injected with something. And Wild-Eyed and Wicked was one of three horses that was subsequently euthanized after suffering injuries assumed to have resulted from the injection. Owners Joe and Sally Jackson have twice petitioned to have the horse's remains exhumed. Uh, The body has since been exhumed, though not enough evidence was found to prove foul play, let alone make any arrests. They had little injection spots. They'd been injected with something. And three of the five horses that were injected died as a result. But nobody knows why or where or how or it what. It was super soldier serum. They were trying to make uh, Captain Horse America. <laughs> Captain Horse America. <laughs> An old cowpoke went riding out one dark and windy day. Upon a ridge he rested as he went along his way When all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw A plowing through the ragged skies And up a cloudy draw were still on fire and their hooves were made of steel their horns were black and shiny and their hot breath he could feel a bowl of fear went through him as they thundered through the sky for he saw the riders coming hard and he heard their mournful cry
is in the sky. Their faces gaunt, their eyes were blurred, and shirts all soaked with sweat. They're riding hard to catch that herd, but they ain't caught them yet. Cause they've got to ride forever on that range up in the sky. On horses snorting fire as they ride on, hear their cry. Done by him, he heard one call his name. If you want to save your soul from hell, a riding on our reins, then cowboy, change your ways today, or with us you will ride. A trying to catch the devil's herd across these endless skies. In the news. November the 3rd, 2011. A woman takes nude photos inside horse carcass. Pass. Uh, after caring for a 32-year-old horse in declining health, a woman and her boyfriend put it down with a single gunshot from a large-caliber rifle. To the leg. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it took. That'll die in a little bit. Yeah, had a heart attack and died from the shock, from the scared by the loud explosion. Uh, once the couple shot and gutted the horse, uh, the 21-year-old woman took off her clothing, climbed inside the carcass, and took photos. Did you scoop it out like a pumpkin? And uh, I thought they smelled much. bad on the outside. After posting them online, the couple was met with an avalanche of criticism that yeah. led to a police investigation for animal cruelty. Huh, if I you wonder can all why. imagine. Yeah. Uh, the article that I read this on actually has the photos. Can't deny that's a woman in a horse. <laughs> I sure I, can't. She's like, peekaboo. Yeah. And now she's lying fully inside of it. Oh, and that's her chewing on the heart of the oh, horse. Oh, man. She loved that horse. Oh, what a great sleeping bag idea. <laughs> it actually does look like the greatest mummy bag of all time. The horse-shaped wow. mummy bag. As well as the photos of the woman inside the horse's body, there are many others, one of which appears to depict the couple posing with the animal's heart. The couple's explanation for the photos and later eating the animal... I'm interested in this. The pair wanted to feel one with the horse and nature. Um... Okay... You, you seem skeptical, Tom. What, what could possibly be your objection to this claim? I can think of a few other ways to be one with nature rather than climbing inside of a dead horse or even climbing inside of a pile of leaves or going or burying yourself in dirt. Uh, in fact, one of the photos shows her actually covered in the horse's blood. Oh, look at that one. Oh, at least she's naked. Yeah, no, she's covered from head to toe in horse's blood. And guts. And, and guts and nude. And she's got a big smile. Like, she is yeah. having a great time. Yeah. I don't feel that her boyfriend is forcing her to do this. No, no, not at all. <laughs> the interesting twist to the story is that no charges will be filed against the couple. Well, but what did they do wrong? Yeah, the fact that this woman crawled into a horse between killing and eating does not constitute a crime. 
Uh, if they had killed the horse just for the purpose of taking the photographs, right. then they would have had a case. It's, but the fact that they ate it afterwards uh, actually basically right. made Here's it not crime-worthy. It makes them weird. <laughs> it means they're really weird. It means I probably don't want to be friends with them. But I don't think they should go to jail. I mean, no, I, I think they should go to jail in the shape of a horse. <laughs> I think she already did, and she smiled. Yeah, she was happy about that. Yeah, the, that's the part that kind of disturbs me about all this stuff, is the how happy she seems. Yeah. Furthermore, if you want to get in touch with nature, you don't crawl inside a domesticated animal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you crawl she, inside a fucking grizzly bear. No, she needs to go to Mongolia and get herself a Shavalsky horse. Huh? One of those go. last three hundred, last three hundred, so that she can crawl inside, inside of that. that. That would probably be a crime, though, because there's only three hundred left. Oh, she'd need to get it back to. Uh, she'd have to wait for one to die of natural causes. Yeah, just take it back to Oregon with her, where they they don't seem to care that much. I think that a miniature pony should crawl inside her corpse <laughs> after she has to sh- has be killed. That would be closing the karmic circle big time. That'd be like the turducken of horse, person, horse. Well, here's the thing. I, we talk about this when we talk about, like, uh, on our funerals episode, and I've mentioned, I don't give a crap what you do to me. You want to be buried inside like, a horse? <laughs> no, no. If you want to crawl... Buried inside torn, a horse, a horse, of course, If of course. you want to crawl inside my corpse <laughs> yes, after I'm dead... And wear you like a suit. I don't care. Hey, I'm, I'm Joe. Dead. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It doesn't, I'm Joe. It doesn't actually hurt me. All it means is that you're a fucking weirdo. And so this horse, the, the part that got hurt was it getting killed, but it was humanely put down. It was going to be used for horse meat. Mm-hmm. Once its carcass is there, it's not really the horse anymore. It's just this dead hunk of meat. It's a pile of meat, yeah. So the weirdness is just that she's okay with that. Here's the thing. If you met them for dinner and ate that horse, would it taste different once you found out she'd laid inside of it naked? <laughs> would you eat a horse steak and then be like, oh, that was I really good. I will only eat horse steaks <laughs> as long as a young, naked <laughs> woman has been inside of it. Here's the thing. I would eat the meat, but I wouldn't eat it with her because she's a weirdo. <laughs> no, but she invited you over for dinner. She's nah, like, I would decline. Okay. Formerly news. 2005, the Enumclaw horse sex case was a 2005 incident in which Kenneth Pinion, an American Boeing engineer, uh, died from receiving anal sex with a stallion at a farm in Washington. Receiving? Oh my god, what? Near the city of Enumclaw. <laughs> Why did he receive? He had videotaped previous sex acts with the horses and distributed them informally under the name Mr. Hands. Hold on, wait! During a July 2005 sex act videotaped by a friend, he suffered a perforated colon and later died of his injuries. The deceased, concerned about appearing in a hospital with an unusual internal injury and the effect on his security clearance as an engineer for aerospace company Boeing, (laughs) had apparently refused his friend's urging to go to the hospital for several hours after being aware he was internally injured. This is called you get what you deserve. Yeah, yeah. Like a comeuppance. Uh, if this isn't yet a Darwin Award, fully he should responsible be for the consequences of his actions. Yes, absolutely. I do not feel bad for this person one bit. I'll do a little still. It was still a bad no. call, but uh, ugh. Pinion was found dead in the emergency room. The man who brought Pinion into the hospital had disappeared by the time hospital staff came to contact him. <laughs> surprisingly enough. <laughs> Pinion's death rapidly prompted the passing of a bill in Washington prohibiting both sex with animals and the videotaping of the same. Under current Washington law, bestiality is now a Class C felony punishable by up to five years in prison. Senate Bill 6417 
passed in February 11th, 2006, with all 36 state senators voting for it. I would hope so. Imagine being the person to vote against this law. <laughs> like, it, it, it'd be hard well, to justify. There was one horse on the Senate. <laughs> oh, Caligula's horse. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> Bestiality had been legal in Washington State for 117 years until what? the passing of this bill. What? <laughs> and in <laughs> related pop culture, a documentary of the life and death of Pinion and the life led by those who came to the farm near Enumclaw debuted at the Sundance Film Festival in 2007 under the title Zoo. <laughs> Oh. It was one of 16 winners of the 858 candidates for the festival and played at numerous regional festivals in the United States thereafter. Look at that. IMDb rating is 5.8 out of 10. Oh, that's not good. But it is a really fascinating story. There you go. I bet you the reason it's 5.8 is because they probably put excerpts from the actual video that killed them oh. in the movie. And it was like, oh, they sort of vomited in their mouth a little bit and then they <laughs> didn't want to like the movie anymore. Anyone ever heard of a brony? Oh, yeah. No? I know a few bronies. Uh, you know for who bronies? What's a yeah. brony? A brony is a teenage or adult male who is a fan of the animated TV series My Little Pony, colon, Friendship is Magic. Oh, what about mm -hmm. the earlier incarnations of My Little Ponies? They don't like them? Well, they didn't really have big, huge fan upswells for those shows. There, mm -hmm. there wasn't an internet at the time to gather together with all the people that... My little also brony, my little brony, I love <laughs> to stroke his beautiful hair. <laughs> the reason that this is in the news is because BronyCon just happened in January. Sure. Of 2012. Uh, hey, there were academic panels, fan art, and MLP, as the fans shorten it to, My Little Pony. Yeah. MLP vendors, as of well course. as a collection of Pegasisters, female bronies. <laughs> yeah here's the thing the naming the okay. naming so i'm i'm an internet guy i'm yes. i'm perfectly fine with young adult males liking my little pony oh, yeah. but yeah. what's yeah. the naming <laughs> naming well it's it's kind of an ironic thing because it's the 4chan guys who started this and i think they sort of started it ironically okay yeah now here's the thing about my little pony uh, so I'm on the internet, I hear about all this, and when I hear about some kind of genre show that people are, hey, this is actually really good, I go, okay, well, I'll check it out. So I downloaded some My Little Pony to watch. So I watched the first three or four episodes. There's one big multi-parter that's the intro and stuff like that. Uh -huh. And I gotta say, for a kid's show, this is really, really well done. It is, the stories are not stupid, they're not cliched, they're very creative, the character designs are good, the, the animation is excellent. Uh, I really can't say anything bad about the show. If I had a kid or I have a niece, if she wants to watch the show, I'd be proud for her to watch it. It teaches some excellent lessons, it does it really well. Okay. There's nothing wrong with this show, right. except... And here's the thing I don't get about Brony. There's like almost nothing for adults in this show. There are lots of kids shows where I go, oh, it's for kids, but there's totally good stuff for adults. And that makes it awesome. Like yeah. Adventure Time. I'm a huge Adventure Time fan. But mm -hmm. that is totally, there's all sorts of tongue in cheek for the grownups kind of stuff. Right. And My like lots pony. of Pixar movies have all sorts yeah. of stuff for adults as well as kids. Right. And, all and I that. proudly am a fan of those things because I'm like, it's for kids, but adults are going to like it. When I watched My Little Pony, I saw almost nothing that explained why, why adults were fans. I could see why adults could be, this is a really good show could for appreciate kids. appreciate it. And, and kids should watch this and I'm really happy about it. But I didn't, I, I didn't get any of the... 
Well, do you think that it's like it's kind of this reversion therapy thing Maybe. is they can like get behind a show that's really, you know, just for kids and, yeah. you know, sort of have this nostalgic sort of like kid moment and just, uh, you know, be immature for immature's sake. Sure. I, I do that with Adventure Time, though. Yeah. Right. Because then I get I get the best of both worlds. And why have a brony con? Well, well, they got to get together somehow. <clears throat> is this just an offshoot of furries? No. No? No, because no 4chan started element. this, and 4chan loves to make fun of furries. Because I read, when I was researching bronies, because I'd never heard of them before, okay. uh, and I read about how for, it got started on 4chan right. as a uh, as a tongue-in-cheek, right. you know, making, cre- they named, they created the name Brony yeah. to make fun of these fans of the show. Yeah. But since then, the sincere fans of the show have totally co-opted it sure. and now Many own the term. Four chaners. Yeah, but like, but unironically, like they're right. not poking fun at the fans of the show right, anymore. Sure. They have, they're owning it, right? And so it's like, it's kind of probably the people who are now taking the term brony and, you know, living the brony lifestyle, whatever yep. that may be, yep. outnumbers the people who started it, which were to make fun of these people. Yeah. In a related news story uh, from February 28th, 2012, My Little Pony. Friendship is Magic, has a character named Derpy. Derpy? Derpy. Yeah. This I didn't know about. Go ahead. All right. So what happened is uh, they had a character that was never never named, never had a uh, a speaking part or anything. The the animators thought it would be funny to put this one horse kind of in crowd scenes in the background. And it had had like crossed eyes and like googly eyes and kind of a weird effect to it. Okay. Of all the ponies in My Little Pony's fantasy kingdom of Celestia, Mm -hmm. none is more beloved by bronies than Derpy because they created her. Derpy began as an unnamed background character whose eyes were skewed by an animator as a joke. Fans seized on the weird horse and named her. So they've adopted her as this fan-created entity, right? Uh, And as a nod to the Bronies' role in the show's success, the animators began to include her in episodes with increasing prominence. Sure. Uh, In fact... It's just good marketing. uh, Absolutely. Like, play to your audience, right? Uh, There's a quote here from the Brony news blog, Equestria Daily. It's great fun to sift through a new episode and see if the animators have stuck her model in a crowded scene for us to find. It became a weekly game, and everyone involved had a lot of fun. Everyone in the community has a different interpretation of her character, since she was never assigned one in the show. In essence, she was the community's pony. Derpy's big moment and her first ever lines on the show came at the beginning of January 2012 in an episode called The Last Roundup, where she says, Oh, I just don't know what went wrong. As she clumsily tries to set up for an upcoming party, uh, it was the Brony's greatest triumph. Now, what unfortunately this did is there was a blowback and there was a bunch of people who were saying that Derpy uh, was named to make fun of mentally handicapped people. And that Derpy's character was kind of, you know, kind of dopey and less than intelligent. And so there's this whole anti-Derpy movement to, like, to change the character. So Hasbro did okay. change the character and got rid of the googly eyes and did all that stuff, which has spawned a Save Derpy movement. <laughs> okay. So there are now two fighting factions amongst the bronies, those who think Derpy is offensive and those who want to keep Derpy because the reason that Derpy was adopted by the community in the first place was because 
in a crowd scene, you could tell which one Derby right. was because yeah. it was the one with the googly eyes. Yeah. This problem can only be solved with My Little Pony fight. You know what I say? I say let them eat horse. <laughs> There's a brony petition on change.org, which is usually a website uh, where you mount campaigns about gay rights or debit card fees. Uh, but the change.org petition has over 40,000 signatures on the plea, return Derpy's scene in the last roundup to normal. I love how something like this could garner like thousands and thousands of votes. Yeah. But something that actually really matters, like homelessness or something. <laughs> ah, I don't give a fuck. We should start having a homeless con. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then the homeless would all show up and then they'd never leave. Right? My little hobo, my little hobo, <laughs> love to see him eat beans from a can. <laughs> So uh, this whole brony thing, I'd never heard about it before this episode, and it is ridiculous to me. I find it uh, funny in the fact that it even exists. I'm halfway. Like, on the one hand, yeah, I don't understand why they're such fans of it. On the other, I don't know, I'm probably a fan of things that people don't understand as well. But here's the thing. Like, I'm a fan of a lot of things. But you sure are. I don't dress up like those characters and then go somewhere and collect with other people who dress up like those characters. Because you're not willing to commit. is that it? Yeah. I'm not... No, okay. All right. I'm a commitment phobe. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't cosplay like characters from shows that I like. That's your loss, my friend. I have in the past. I went to the Phantom Menace dressed as Qui-Gon Jinn. Little did I know how disappointing <laughs> that would be. My caustic soda, my caustic soda. I love to stroke their beautiful hair. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> I was about to say, I do not want you to stroke my hair ever. I think that would make me leave the show. <laughs> Pop culture. Okay. So we saw Warhorse together the other day. Yeah, and I do not understand why anybody liked that movie. I, well, I don't understand why anybody over a certain IQ liked that movie. Oh. I think we basically oh, decided. And Take this that. Is, people this who might like be, This might Warhorse. be an insult to people who liked it who consider themselves intelligent. But I felt it was totally targeted at like a dumb audience there was so much exposition where they would like bring the plot of the movie to a grinding halt so three people could stand around and explain exactly what had happened right exactly what was happening right then and there and foreshadowed exactly what was going to happen yeah and that happened like 10 times and every time it happened it was either at dusk or at dawn because there were huge long (laughs) yeah it was in the magic hour there are huge long shadows nothing else happened in this entire world during the day or the yeah. night I it did, only happened well, either that or it did happen during the day but the sun only rises like uh, about a half an inch off the horizon yeah, yeah. In, so this, in all it of it was filmed England, in, uh, in, in Alaska Europe. right That's yeah true. it all took place in Alaska yeah. <laughs> beautiful green fields of alaska yeah so uh, to say that this movie received far too many award nominations cuz it was nominated for oscars and yeah. for sag awards and for you know, uh, Golden Globes and the whole nine yards. It got tons of award nominations at all the award shows, and it did not deserve it one bit. As you pointed out, a lot of the nominations were technical, and technically, the yeah. movie was really well done. Like, it, was, it was it was beautifully shot. A lot of the stuff they pulled off was technically brilliant and amazing. It well, the first like third of the movie, it's just one vista after another. Yeah. Like you, every single shot is on like an incredibly wide angle lens where you yep. see the entire countryside. And this yep. one character is kind of in the foreground, but it's not really what you're paying attention to. Right. And that's why it's all shot at at dusk or dawn. Yeah. So you got that orange glow, and I mean the the finale of the movie, everyone's in full silhouette because you can't even see them. Right? Mm-hmm. It's so the horizon 
Jason is so aglow with like burning yeah, orange. Weird. I guess it's a pretty movie. Like it's beautifully shot. Like there's no there's no doubt that uh, Kaminsky is one of the greatest DOPs in cinema history. But is a terrible script and was yeah. terribly executed and was yeah. bad storytelling yeah. and and it was just melodramatic like it, oh, and, spe- so, and the, mu- the music as well so oh, beating you yeah, over yeah. the head with the melodrama that's why i think it was it was targeted at dumb people because people who who can watch and appreciate a film and i don't even mean you know film students and film yeah. enthusiasts i just mean uh, your average and above film goer gets what's going on gets yeah. when things are supposed to be emotional gets when things are important and in this it was like it held up the audience and shook them and said now is when you're supposed to cry yeah now is when you feel hope yeah well i i'm like a technical nerd too right so uh, it was almost comical how many crane shots are in this movie <laughs> especially ending scenes yeah. like it was like scene 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 look at the sun off to the side and the long shadows and we're done and Pat, pull, the the pull up out. yeah <laughs> Yeah, every sequence ended with a crane shot. I did like the trench scenes, though. Yeah. Yes, they were well done. Yeah. They were Certainly well done. good stuff throughout, like little bits here and there, and that artillery shot when we yeah. saw... the artillery sequence. The, we when haven't even talked about what the show is about yet. So it's, it's about a horse in the war. There's a horse that gets <laughs> yeah. pretty much randomly ends up becoming a horse in the in the World War One, where it's yeah. having to pull artillery and do all sorts of other things, and it ends up having different owners, and it's crazy. They, but they, fa- they found a way... Uh-huh. For me to not care about any of the people, yeah, especially right. the kid who raised the horse. Oh, yeah. couldn't have cared less. But yeah. they also didn't find a way to make me care about the horse. It it felt to me like they were on the they were on the fence about whether or not the horse should talk. Because it felt like when they were filming some of the scenes, especially with horse to horse or some of the horse to the kid, yeah. it was like why is there no talking going yeah, on just here? Staring it's, longingly and the horses at were doing crazy mo- acting movements and yeah. their mouths were kind of moving. And I'm like, it feels like they wanted this horse to talk. They were yeah. thinking, maybe we should have the horses talk and become buddies in this scene. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, uh, I, uh, I cannot recommend it. It is. The oh. goose certainly and, had more character than the horse. And it's, it's that goose needed to talk. Whole, <laughs> like the goose would, the goose would walk into a door right when a comedic moment with a punch line was needed yeah and, and go, walk in and and it would flap its <laughs> thing and then go <laughs> and i'm like right there it's telling a joke but yeah. they decided we can't have the animals yeah but they for some reason kept in this that one clip where the it walks in to tell its line uh it's just uh it is way too long it is yeah. way too long like it, the movie should have been half the length that it was yeah. i think we're spending way too much time on this yeah, way too long I movie. Think you're right. precisely <laughs> uh yeah uh, it's 146 minutes i got a couple of super old-timey movies that i like to talk about okay the charge of the light brigade 1936 have you seen it uh i have not seen it but it was directed by michael curtis who we all probably remember from our film Fatal episode. He directed Noah's Ark. Oh, yes. Where oh, yeah. the uh, the flood killed all those extras, yeah. and uh, he basically didn't care yeah. and just kept shooting and yeah. like filmed people drowning. This film, uh, The Charters of the Light Brigade, starred Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland. The film comes to its climax at the Battle of Balaclava, the subject of Lord Tennyson's poem. Uh, the battlefield set was lined with trip wires to trip the horses oh. uh, as, they, uh, as they're charging across the field of battle. Right. Uh, dozens of 
the horses were killed during filming, forcing U.S. Congress to ensure the safety of animals in motion pictures. The ASPCA banned tripwires from films as well. And uh, unlike the rest of Flynn's blockbuster early films, because of the tripwires and the number of horses killed, it was never re-released by Warner Brothers. We have so many standards and practices milestones to thank this guy for. Yeah, Michael Curtis, yes. <laughs> yeah, He's probably proud of it. No, because I'm sure there was this big volley of cannon fire and all the horses and men were supposed to fall down and die. Right, right. And they had so many of them, they probably couldn't individually train each horse to do like a pratfall. Yeah. So he's like, let's put out a tripwire. And these horses are running full gallop and they hit these wires and the stuntmen who are expecting it, they throw themselves free. But the horse just goes ass over tea kettle or like face plants and breaks its neck and the yeah. whole nine yards. Ah, what a responsible filmmaker he is. Now, didn't we have a horse dying in Jesse James later on? Jesse James from 1939, so not too far removed from uh, The Charge of the Light Brigade. This movie was a Western uh, directed by Henry King and starring Tyrone Power, who has one of the greatest names in cinema history, Tyrone Power. I feel like you get born with a name like that, you should get superpowers. You know, you should come yeah, out of the womb. just be a mogul Yeah, you should some come kind. Yeah. <laughs> the film gained a measure of notoriety, however, for a single scene in which a horse falls to his death down a rocky slope at the end of the film. This scene was one of many cited by the American Humane Association against Hollywood's abuse of animals and led to the association's monitor monitoring of filmmaking. Was the horse actually injured? or No, the horse was actually killed, and they the kept it died. in the movie. Oh, I see. It, this is like the scene where the stuntman got eaten by a shark. Yeah. In shark! <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's the exact same thing, is that they probably promoted it based on... Watch a real horse die. Yeah, the fact that everybody knew that the horse actually died in that scene, kind of, it's that sort of a faces of death thing. You use it to get press and all the rest of that stuff. And Maybe, yeah. And yeah, so yet another milestone in, uh, in animal welfare on movie sets. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, by the time The Godfather was filmed, they used a fake horse's head, right? <laughs> yeah, certainly, you would hope so. I could just see uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola out there trying to chop this head off a horse. Like, oh, God, I need a horse's head. Like, uh, we can build you one, sir. That cut is not right. Get another <laughs> one and do it again. Yeah, he's a method director. <laughs> you think about these horse injuries in movies in the distant past. Yeah. Yep. But there's the Dustin Hoffman's TV drama Luck. Uh oh. Oh, yeah. I've seen a bunch of posters for this, but I don't know anything about it. Well, last month, HBO bosses behind the drama were accused of mistreating their horses by animal rights group after two of them were put down after being injured during filming of the first series. Well, isn't the whole, wait, the actual subject matter of the series is, is horse racing, is horse racing yeah. right? So probably the whole show, there's a race in every episode, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, we're hearing just, about horses that have raced and just in the race broken their legs, yeah. like like smashed them into pulp. Doesn't it just sound like kind of the cost of doing business? Like, yeah, some horses are going to get hurt in the filming of our show because we race horses every episode. Well, I guess the question is... How many? Yeah, and, and like if... And under what circumstances? I'm sure that animal rights activists don't like horse racing, but making horses races not for horse racing itself, but for film entertainment. Yeah. Mm. Well, it is entertainment, though. But yeah. they probably have. I'd be interested to see, because they probably have an SPCA rep that, like, literally they pay to be on set with them to yeah. sign off on all the things that they're doing. So, like, knowing where that line is crossed, where, like, if the SPCA says, okay, you can do this and you can do that, and they go, oh, okay, and then they do something different and more dangerous. Mm -hmm. 
I, that's a distinct possibility. Like that could happen. Some like megalomaniac directors like screw those SPCA guys. Yeah. I need my shot. I need this horse to jump over the camera or right. I need this or I need that. So the show has actually been canceled as of last month. We've got a statement from HBO. While we maintain the highest safety standards possible, accidents unfortunately happen and it is impossible to guarantee they won't in the future. Accordingly, we have reached this difficult decision. So basically they're saying it's kind of impossible for us to shoot a horse racing show and not occasionally hurt horses. Right. Yeah. So, and kill them. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's just hurting really badly. It's, it's like hurting and then killing. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's tough. Like uh, doing any show that features animals prominently is uh it's they're difficult shows to make they're more difficult like said, the only thing that slows a movie down faster than an animal is babies oh and baby animals are the worst <laughs> yeah and it really hurts when you have to kill them when they get injured this baby broke his leg we'll have to put him down Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy. To comment on episodes, make a donation, see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. My caustic soda, my caustic soda, I love to stroke their beautiful hair.